Hey folks, Zach Osmond here, IU Insider, Indianapolis Star. It is another Mind Your Banner special. It is December 1st, 2023. Uh, and joining us is Mike Barber from, and I, I'm going to get this right, the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Um, he is an ACC writer, a college writer, football, basketball. He's been covering college sports in the state of Virginia longer than Dustin DePirac has been shaving. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Very happy. That's that's only about two weeks on Dustin shaving, though. So I was, that... you know, it's it's not a high bar to clear, but uh, it was it was certainly after the wedding. Um, we were we we took him to pick out razors, you know, during during the the buildup. But um, <laughs> no, obviously here to talk about. I lost it here for a second. Cursing Eddie. Um, it's been a long week. Forgive me. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm surprised my brain is still turned on. Signetti uh, confirmed yesterday. He is Indiana's next head coach. He's in Bloomington. Uh, I use social media accounts are all over meeting with the team. He's in the office. He's wearing the NIL gear, everything you'd expect. We meet with him as the media for his introductory news conference at 2.30. But I wanted to talk to Mike first. Um, you have been, again, covering college sports in, in, frankly, all its forms in Virginia for a while now. That's where Signetti comes from. Five years at James Madison, 52 wins in those five years across the FCS and the FBS. I guess first question is just what made it work for Signetti? Because you look at his resume, he's won anywhere he's been. And even when he stepped up the levels, whether it's, you know, a, a different maybe level of competition or it's a tougher job or there are more expectations, winning just kind of seems to continue. Yeah, I think Kurt Signetti is just a guy who gets it when it comes to college football. Um, we'll get into it. He's got a talent for coaching. He's got a talent for recruiting. I think he's got good ideas when it comes to scheme, but the bottom line is what makes this guy win everywhere is that he understands the whole picture of what college football is. You know, he's a football lifer. His dad was a college football coach. He was an assistant for Nick Saban and the recruiting coordinator there. He understands every part of the program. Now, as a media guy, do I love the fact that he's controlling and hands-on for every part of the program? Maybe not, but in terms of if that's your approach, right? Kurt Signetti understands every aspect of his program. He manages it to a T. He prepares like nobody else. He, he is so meticulous in his preparation in every area, and the results on the field are wins. So if you're looking at Kurt Signetti and the way he does things, it produces victories, and it is a plan and an approach that can transfer easily, right? You can be a meticulous preparation guy and a hands-on and in control. And you can do that at every level and he's done it at every level and the winds have been following. Obviously, as we kind of talked about through our reporting in the search, Indiana was looking for someone with pretty substantial head coaching experience. Um, you know, it, it, they just sort of felt like now was a bad time to be asking somebody to grow into this job with the big 10 getting harder NIL concerns, playoff expansion on and on and on. Um, I don't know any way to ask this except bluntly. Um, are you surprised that Indiana was able to appeal to him? And I know there's there's an element of there's a bit of an element of, you know, kind of varsity JV between the Big Ten and the SEC and everybody else, whether it's, you know, financially, whether it's competitively, you know, prestige, all those things. Um, but I think it's also probably fair to say, you know, I get he's 62, but I think he said he wants to coach until he's 75. James Madison's the sort of place where you can just kind of hang out. You'll always have the resources. You'll always have the infrastructure. You'll be really competitive in your own conference. And you can kind of just sit there and win and win 
and wait for the opportunity you want. In your mind, I, I recognize he hasn't talked about this a ton publicly yet, but just kind of what was it about a program like Indiana that, you know, frankly has has kind of struggled to find that consistent footing in the last, you know, 20, 30 years that, that pulled him away from James Madison? Yeah, and, and at the risk of upsetting your listeners, I'm a little bit stunned. Um, to me, it was not an attractive job for somebody like Kurt Signetti, um, certainly not in late November, right? I mean, in you know, like you said, he could win next year, win the year after. He's going to have his options. But just this point, you know, the Duke job came open. I thought the Duke job was a better fit for Kurt Signetti. If for no other reason than if you believe in Kurt Signetti, which I do, and you believe he's going to go in and win games, you can go in and win the ACC pretty quickly. <laughs> uh, the Big Ten, they didn't like that. And again, you know, with all due respect to Indiana, and um, I think you're looking at a program that at least for the foreseeable future is going to be behind all of the established Big Ten powers, and I think behind some of the incoming, <laughs> what we expect to be Big Ten powers. This looks like a job where if you coach your tail off, you're getting the sixth or seventh place in the conference. Um, I don't understand what what appealed in, in that regard. I think that there are some things at JMU. The athletic director is retiring, so maybe there was some shift there that that he thought, okay, this is a good time to move. I've done a great job for two years of Division One, five years overall at JMU. But I am surprised he's jumping so quickly to Indiana when I do think there would be other options out there for him. I think we've reported, others have reported as well, he's going to bring at least a sizable chunk of his staff. I don't know that he's going to bring his entire staff with him, but both of his coordinators, um, his quarterback's coach, I wouldn't be surprised if at least one or two others eventually join him as well. Um, it's also striking to me, and I mentioned this, I think on our, I might have mentioned in our podcast yesterday, There's there's been a lot going on across multiple media platforms, needless to say, in the last 24 to 48 hours. But um, it's been striking to me that, Every place he's left so far, and it seems like James Madison might not do this, but up till now, every place he's left so far has replaced him with someone on his staff. So there's been kind of this desire to say, we really liked what this was when Kurt Signetti was here. Let's see if we can't carry it on. And actually, you know, relative to expectations and their level, those replacements have had some success. Um, how important do you think it'll be kind of through that lens? You talk about you know, in many ways, holistically, this is going to be his program. He's going to have his hands in all of it. He's, you know, I, I think the Nick Saban comparisons, not necessarily national titles and whatever, but the fact that they work together and they seem to kind of have similar approaches to the job, similar sort of philosophies as head coaches. But how important do you think it will be for him to bring, especially those two coordinators and probably quarterbacks coach as well? I know quarterbacks was kind of his focus for most of his assistant coaching career and just kind of give himself that sort of that assurance of, I know these people, you know, these are my guys. Obviously, if you look at statistically the last couple of years, James Madison has been really good on offense relative to its competition this season in particular, outstanding disruptive defense, um, really good against the run lot led the conference and tackles for loss and sacks. Um, just what will it mean? I guess I'm kind of rambling here, forgive me, but, but for him to kind of bring, so much of the infrastructure that he can bring with him from JMU over to Indiana. Yeah, I think it's huge. And I hope I didn't overspeak or mislead when I kind of 
indicated that he's a bit of a control freak, hands and everything. He does let his coordinators, particularly on the defensive side, have kind of free reign to do their thing. You know, there's a vision for what he wants. That's why he's picked these guys. Um, you know, he didn't get assigned to coordinators and then they had to mold their their plans together. These are the guys he picked. They run what he wants. They think the way he thinks. And then he lets them coach their, their sides of the ball. And like I said, I mean, defensively, he, he was pretty hands off. They, they ran their own show offensively. He's involved. Certainly that spread RPO system, you know, is Kurt Signetti's system, but again, he lets his coaches coach. I think having those guys is part of the package. And I say this in a complimentary way, because I think Kurt Signetti is a really good coach. I think his quarterbacks have excelled because he's kind of a system guy. And if you do what you're supposed to do in the organization, you're going to excel. I think his coordinators and himself, I think they're all the same way. I think he has built a great system. I think he knows what works and everybody doing their job is what makes it work. And I think those coordinators are a huge part of it. So um, I would have been stunned if he didn't attempt to bring most of his staff with him to Indiana. JMU is in an interesting spot because it has been successful over three or four head coaches now. Um, I think it'll go and branch off and do its own thing again, as opposed to a promoting an assistant. But I think that I think Kurt needed that staff with him and, and that's not taking anything away from him as a coach. I think he's built something great and those coaches are a part of it. What is that system? I guess just broadly, obviously everything will always be a little bit personnel dependent and you'll always need to sort of tweak things based on your strengths and, and what you feel like your team's good at. But just kind of what are what are the things that kind of he's going to say, you know, from day one, this is what we do. These are our these are our KPIs and, and these are the things that underpin offensively, defensively, especially when you talk about formation and scheme and, and maybe I know his quarterbacks have been really good at, at JMU and you look at kind of the, 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 the kind of receiver he seems to recruit. Um, just what are the things that he or maybe he's going to feel are non-negotiables on both sides of the ball? Yeah, you need to promise to take this down if he goes out game one and runs the wishbone. But uh, but I don't see that. Indiana happening. already did that this year. I think they're, I think they're done with it for a little while. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I think you know certainly his offensive system is a spread offense. It's RPO. When I talk about the quarterback being a system guy, and you know Jordan McLeod, who, who's a transfer, his previous quarterback here was a transfer. Uh, Todd Santeo, he brings a guy in who can execute, make all of the throws. And, and make the right decisions and, and reads. And, um, you know, I've had a few opposing coaches when I've tried to write about Jordan McLeod, the JMU quarterback, say, and, and again, they're not trying to undercut what Jordan's done, but they're like, hey, he just goes out there and, you know, the cliche of takes what the defense gives him. Well, Kurt Signetti and his staff have schemed it up to get what they want. He wants a quarterback who's going to come in and take the right throw. If it's not there, throw it away um, because it's it's faith in the system. And again, you know, the, the system we've seen spread RPO, that, that's not revolutionary, but there's a discipline in the way they execute it where they achieve balance in the run pass. They limit turnovers um, and they have receivers. I think and, and anybody wants this, but they have receivers who can win the ball in the air, win one-on-one -on -one battles. And, uh, that's an interesting combination because he doesn't really want his quarterback taking chances, throwing what you and I call 50-50 balls, but they believe that what to maybe my untrained eye looks like a 50-50 ball 
is not a it's not a toss-up. You put it in the right place, the right timing, and there's only one guy who can catch it, and it's your guy. That's a big part of this offense as well. Uh, defensively, and again, he turns the defense over to the staff more, but he believes in being a four-man front, changing coverages in the secondary. It, nothing he does would you pop on the film and say it's revolutionary. It's the way they do it. It's how well the game is called, how well they execute, how little they turn it over, how well they achieve balance. Uh, You know, they're doing a lot of stuff that everybody does. They're just doing it better. This is probably a somewhat sort of, I guess, self-confirming question, but does that go back in your mind to this sort of idea of Signetti, again, holistically, his approach to the program insofar as it, as you said, it's it's not like they're doing something distinctive, something no, you know, virtually nobody else does. It's more about how they're doing it, how they train it, how they scheme it, how they coach it, and all of it is just reflective, I guess, of again going back to what Indiana was undoubtedly looking for in, in this this search, a coach that is just going to be really comfortable keeping all the plates spinning at once, you know, the, all the the various different tasks and challenges of, of being a head football coach at the FBS level. None of it is going to be like, Oh, I just can't deal with that. Somebody else take it off my plate. No, a hundred percent. You know, I think Kurt Signetti is not a guy for frills, right? It's not gimmicks. There, there's nothing that he's going to do. That's going to sweep you off your feet for two years and then get him fired in year three. Cause everybody catches up. He is a traditional football guy. Uh, he believes in in matching up. He believes in having his guys in the right position, his guys executing consistently better than your guys execute consistently. Uh, he wins in a traditional football way. Now, he's not close-minded, and they adjust, and they adapt, and they they do different things based on their personnel. Uh but yeah, you know, this isn't a guy who's here to reinvent the wheel. He's the guy here who's here to coach really good high-level football, to manage every aspect of the program, recruiting. And, and you know, I know at Indiana, there's going to be a measure of selling this program to, to the fan base. I think he understands all of it. Um, you know, this will probably be his hardest sales job in terms of, you know, the, the non-football stuff. Can you win fans over any way other than winning? Um, but I think if fans at Indiana give him a chance to win. I think he'll do that. And, and, you know, it's just a question. We we always talk about this here. One of the programs I cover is Virginia football and it's what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Well, you need the fans in the stands to have that atmosphere to win, especially close big conference games. Can you get those fans into the stands because they believe in in Kurt Signetti? That's going to be interesting because, like I said, he's not a frills guy. There's nothing super sexy about Kurt Signetti um, except for the fact that he wins everywhere he goes. Talking about, I guess, the, the the challenge, and you mentioned it a little bit there. I, I would say just anecdotally, this is probably about as jacked up as I've seen Indiana's fan base for a hire in my 15, 17 years, whatever, around IU football. And some of that will always just be the, you know, the, the, the freshness of a new coach. And they were obviously just kind of tired of the direction of the program under Tom Allen, fair or not. And obviously nine Big Ten wins or nine total wins and three Big Ten wins in three years will do that. But um I guess that maybe the last thing, I, I don't know if it's the last thing, I, I, it is kind of the one big lingering thing people will ask is, you know, the step up to the Big Ten. And, you know, JMU has has played some Power Five opponents. Obviously, in, in you know, at the FCS level, it's always dealt with expectations. It was one of the most successful and prominent programs there. Um, but just how do you, 
you know, when when you're stepping up to a level, I don't know, like what, for example, JMU's NIL setup is or anything like that. But when you're stepping up to a level where all of that gets in, introduced and intensified and the margins, to use the old cliche, are as slim as they could ever be, you know, how do you think he attacks, I guess, that 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 I don't say it's the last challenge, but it, it might be one of the last big challenges of basically I've done this everywhere, whether it's recruiting, staffing, development scheme, you know, preparation, game planning. I've done it everywhere and it's always worked. Now I've got to take it to probably the highest level, you know, that you could coach at other than maybe being in a, and my Gmail goes off, forgive me, uh, other than maybe being at like an Ohio state or an Alabama, whatever you want to say, how does he, how do you think he tackles that? It's going to be really interesting because I think JMU prepared him well for a lot of the NIL transfer portal. Uh, you, know, you know, that was a program that was winning at a high level was even when it moved up into the Sun Belt, and the Sun Belt is a very good league at that level. So there was parity there. You know, I, I think he's well prepared. It's just going to be interesting to me. He's never in in my opinion, or if I shouldn't say it, at JMU, he was not the underdog, even though they surprised people with how well they did in their tra- tradition, their transition to division one, um, to the FBS level. He was not really the underdog. They had great resources. They had a winning culture. They had good fan support. He had to do a great job and he did. He had to get some great players, fill some holes through the portal. He did all that, but I, I just, I'd be hard pressed to sell you that he was the underdog in that scenario. I think at Indiana, he becomes the underdog. I, I think it's, yes, you've got your your NIL. He understands NIL. He understands the portal. He understands the whole big picture. But at the end of the day, Indiana isn't the number one Big Ten school you want to go to. It's probably not the number one. I, maybe you can speak to this, but in-state school for football you want to go to. I mean, I, I would think that he's just in an underdog role at Indiana that I don't know that that is comparable to JMU. I'm going to be curious to see how he handles that. Um, I think he's going to need a little more flair than he showed at JMU. JMU was the flair, right? It was moving up to FBS. The nation loves JMU because they're getting screwed by the NCAA. So they're, they're, you know, they're a story that everybody wants to jump on. And anything they do was gravy. Now, he won at a real high level. The fact that they were nearly undefeated this year, that they could have been in New Year's Six, New Year's Six contention, if not for the NCAA, that's all fantastic. But I, th- I think that was a program that it sort of sold itself as long as he won. And he's a guy who will win. It's going to be interesting to me how he competes now when he's not, you know, he doesn't have that shiny gold star. He has the grind and I'm going to win and I can do those things and that belief, but he doesn't have the brand perhaps behind him you know it's not indiana basketball which which is the brand um i think that's going to be a real challenge for kurt it'll be interesting to see again um we're recording this uh, around lunchtime on friday signetti meets with the media at 2 30 uh at memorial stadium we will obviously have all kinds of coverage of that and everything you can imagine but for now uh mike barber thank you so much for joining us thank you all for listening this has been a mind your banner special for December 1, 2023, Kurt Signetti is hired. This podcast is over. We will talk to you soon.